Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and welcome to the 22nd ever episode of Aiden on Anchor, the podcast where I tell you about my life story, as well as my journey with this cool little app called Anchor. Like I said before, this is episode 22. I am filming this on August 28, 2019 at exactly 9.31 p.m. It should be out by the time this month is over. It's my last major thing I have to do to finish out this month. One of my most productive months I've had in a long time. We're going to be talking about productivity today and how I managed to do so much in one month. Uh, and we'll also talk about other topics as they come into our head. You know I ain't on Anchor. It's a lot of uh, not planning and a lot of transitioning from weird topic to weird topic. It could be one of the best episodes of the show or one of the worst. You don't know how it goes down, and neither do I. But that's what keeps it fascinating and interesting. So yeah, with all that being said, let's hop into the final Aiden on Anchor of August 2019. So, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to start this podcast with productivity. I have had (laughs) what feels like the most productive month of my online career I feel like I have ever had just in the amount of stuff that I managed to do this month is just insane. And there's still like a couple of days left too. So by the time it's like all said and done, when I look back on, on August, 2019, I'm going to be like, damn, Aiden really got his shit together that month. And, uh, I'm pretty happy about it as well. Uh, to give you an idea of all the shit that I did this month in particular, uh, I put out the end of the Yoshi series on Lions Under Gaming, my Let's Play channel. I also put out all the episodes to Kirby Dream Land 3 on Lions Under Gaming, so that's two Let's Plays finished. Uh, I finished up all the monthly Battle League Season 3 stuff, which is like 12 videos that all came out, as well as bonus videos each season. Every battle we've ever done on the monthly Battle League all uploaded this month. Um, I updated the websites for Blue Couch Productions, Monthly Battle League, and Lions Under Gaming. Now they have more shit there, which is awesome. And, oh, before I even forget, I fucking, uh, not only did Zach get another episode of another YouTube podcast out, but I fixed all the descriptions, not only for that YouTube channel, but for the anchor versions of those podcasts. And, uh descriptions for practically everything i've been i've been on a description kick i fixed all of them on lions honor gaming the monthly battle league ones are good i've just been busy and uh yeah two episodes of eight on anchor on top of that this is going to be the third one i also put out a back to the video games this month one of my favorites the star fox zero episode just a lot i put a lot into this month i set a, a list of goals at the start of august i made this big post like here's all the shit i want to do in august 2018 and i did all of them and that just feels really good uh they weren't extreme goals they weren't over the top goals they were very manageable and doable but for for the first time in, in what feels like a long time i actually finished them like they're done like damn like if i if i do this like every month who knows where i'd be at because i feel like especially if you're into content creation stuff it can definitely feel like time gets ahead of you and all the stuff that you want to do ends up getting pushed back further and further as complications arise, either in the stuff you're making or, or real life complications arise, either with your family or or your financial situation or uh, anything could come up. 
So to have a month like this where like nothing nothing major went wrong and everything just kind of happened and fell into place, I have quite possibly never felt as happy as I do this month. Um, just because I feel satisfied, not only in how much stuff I put out, but the quality of stuff that I put out. I hope to somehow find a way to transition that magic and that momentum into September. But uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes, honestly. Um, I don't really know like what to give advice to you all as far as productivity goes because it feels like such uh, a personal experience. Everybody has a different work ethic. Everybody has different projects that they are working on. I guess what helped me through the process a lot was, um, number one, looking back on those goals that I set, um, that kind of gave me a list of what I had to take down so it didn't feel like, oh, I have so much stuff to do in August. Instead, it felt like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this. So writing goals down definitely helped. Um, and the other thing that helped a lot too is just, just the motivation to finish them. Uh, I'd had so many months where shit wasn't coming out like I'd wanted to. And I'd had so many months of like planning a lot of this stuff out that by the time August rolled around, so many things kind of fell into place. Uh, I was just super motivated to finally finish them. And so that motivation really carried me through on days where I didn't feel like doing a whole lot on days where I may have only did like the grunt work uh, of a certain project and then saved the bigger stuff for later. Um, motivation really played a key factor. Writing goals really played a key factor and splitting up tasks too. That's another one. Um, I didn't do everything in one day and there were certain days where I definitely took breaks and took pauses and went outside and spoke to my family and got a haircut uh, days where not much of anything happened, but it was those breaks. It was that sectioning off of stuff. It was that, uh, let me get this thing done for today and then push that off to tomorrow kind of approach that, that really helped me get a lot of this stuff done. Um, not every day of August was productive as I would like to be, but a good portion of them were because I took that time to sort of take a break, to relax, uh, to work through my mind and, and my thoughts and just sort of put them together and uh, get a lot of stuff done. So yeah, those are my kind of three tips for productivity, if you will. Number one, write goals. That'll help, seriously. It doesn't feel like a big task when they're all written down. Number two, try to stay motivated in any way you can. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, I understand that. I went through 12 years of school that I didn't quite enjoy, um, but it does help if you are motivated and actually like what you're doing. And then finally, step three, kind of section off your work, kind of work on one piece at a time rather than do everything at once, take breaks when you need to. And hopefully with those three steps, you will be able to do more things in a lot less time. We'll see how September goes. We'll see if I'm able to transition well. But uh, yeah, those are sort of my thoughts on productivity, if you will. Only covered in about seven minutes, which isn't bad for me. Usually I spend a lot longer talking about this sort of stuff, but I just feel, I just feel hyped and motivated. <laughs> I have this I have this energy and this cadence today that uh, I didn't have on some episodes of Ain't on Anchor, um, either due to depression or just not getting stuff done, whereas today I'm like, whew, let's go, let's go, it's 9.38pm, but let's go, I feel like I, I could run a, a marathon <laughs> or something to that effect, so yeah, um, that's all I have to say on productivity though, let's go ahead and transition and talk about another Disney film, wow. Aiden, you sure do like doing that a lot on Aiden on Anchor. Uh, yeah, it's a great sort of backup topic if I can't think of anything 
off the top of my head because I'm always watching Disney movies. I'm always uh, watching bits and pieces, trying to build up my VHS collection. I've talked about it a thousand times on A Non-Acre. But this time, I'm going to talk about a different film. We're going to go with, let's see, I'm looking at my shelf here. What did I watch recently that I really liked? Um, ba -ba, da -ba. We're going to go with Aladdin. We're going to go with Aladdin today. And I know Aladdin's been been talked about a lot recently, whether it's the live-action remake or uh, just recently announced. There is going to be a HD remaster of Disney's Aladdin game along with their Lion King game in like a two-pack for a Switch and other consoles. So a lot of people are hyped on that. Uh, Aladdin's been, been kicking recently. Uh, this big swarm of popularity. Also with Robin Williams passing several years back, him being the genie, kind of the best character of the film. Aladdin is one of those films that even though it was made in the 90s, its reach and effect not only on animated films, but in films today, is still felt all the way now in 2019. And that's just crazy. And it kind of goes to show you just like, how much of a, of a landmark film Aladdin was in a lot of ways. So sitting back down to rewatch it, because I did watch Aladdin when I was a kid. This is not one of those films that I skipped out on. Uh, I liked it as a kid, and I like it now, <laughs> basically. Um, I'm not going to be one of those people that be like, oh, turns out Aladdin's just bad. No, no, I really like the film. Um, a lot of the scope of it, just the size of it. I'm coming more and more to find out that Something I like a lot in animated films is just sort of the environment and the atmosphere of it all and how it's sort of portrayed. Um, and Agrabah is probably one of the best examples of that. You really do get transported into this Arabian world and sort of the shots they're able to do of Agrabah and the town and the palace, just the size of it all is just like, damn, this must have took forever to draw, but I'm a fan of it. I'm also a fan of like the, the, the sketchy side of Agrabah too, whether it's the... Uh, the salesman with the lamp or the guards or all the creepy salespeople you find along the way. Uh, Agrabah is not very inviting a lot of the time. It's very risky a lot of the time. And I, I really appreciate that when most of the Disney environments are like these kind of safe and in bland sort of areas. Whereas Agrabah is like, no, you will get shanked and you will die here. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. So yeah, that's the, the big thing I really like about Aladdin is just sort of the scope and the environment and everything. But the characters are also surprisingly good. Uh, Aladdin and Jasmine have a pretty good relationship with each other. I kind of believe that they would fall in love after only three days or so. Um, and both of them kind of like have a lot of problems. <laughs> They're not really perfect people at all. Uh, Jasmine is sort of wanting to escape, wanting to get away from royalty and being this sort of princess. Her dad wants her to marry, obviously, and she's not a fan of that because she's an independent lady. She don't need no man. And meanwhile, Aladdin is inspired to be something, uh, to be this big royal figure because he doesn't like his current life uh, being sort of this, uh, how do you call street rat? They call him street rat through most of the movie. He doesn't want to be that anymore. He wants to be this sort of big figure, but he ends up sort of uh, lying to himself and to other people, kind of projecting a little bit, if you will. And so Aladdin just becomes this really relatable character. Jasmine becomes this really relatable character. And when they're near each other, talking about their problems, going through their issues, uh, lying to each other, uh, being honest with each other, just their whole dynamic throughout the movie is sort of the anchor to it all. And uh, I really appreciate that. Um, Jeannie as well. Gotta mention Jeannie. Played by the late and great Robin Williams. He's still good, man. Uh, I will say that, like, as a kid, a lot of the pop culture references he was doing, 
I didn't quite catch on to, but now that I'm sort of an adult, most of them I catch on to. There's still a few, like, obscure ones that, like, you probably have to be alive in the 90s to even understand what the hell is going on and what's with this dialogue, but most of them land pretty well. Most of the jokes hit for the most part, and while he can be a little too pop culture at times, when he has to do the emotional scenes, when he has to have honest talks again with Aladdin, um, sort of near the end of the film about his freedom and about uh, Genie telling Aladdin to be honest with himself, those conversations, again, kind of at the heart of the movie. So when the Genie is not cracking and making jokes a lot of the time, when you actually like get down to the normal serious stuff, he does that well as well so it's like a, a, a bonus if you will you get the funny stuff and you get the serious stuff it's good uh jafar is, is hilarious in my opinion um i get he's supposed to be threatening or whatever but he's kind of this uh sort of boomer <laughs> i can't believe i said boomer on a podcast uh but he is he is he's kind of this sort of boomer uh old fucking wizard man um, and he's not a fan of Jasmine. He's not a fan of the Sultan. He wishes for power and all this sort of stuff. And the scheme he sort of comes up with to go into the Cave of Wonders and, and get the lamp and sort of become this all-powerful ruler. It's great. It's diabolical. It's evil. Uh, but you do have to sit through his sidekick, Iago, played by Gilbert Godfrey, yelling a lot of the time as an obnoxious-ass parrot. That isn't as good, honestly. None of that has held up whatsoever but Jafar himself is just sort of a, a goofy old ass man um and hey even occasionally threatening too I think my favorite parts of this movie is number one the first half I really like the first half uh just sort of Aladdin living his everyday life Jasmine going through their problems the couple meeting and the whole cave of wonders plot uh, where Aladdin meets Genie in the magic carpet and all that sort of stuff. All of that flowed pretty well and feels natural. Whereas the second half of the movie, now that they're all together, um, I don't know. I didn't find that to be as enjoyable. Really, the movie kind of dwaddles off a little bit for me until we get to the climax in the end, which is fantastic as always. I like how Aladdin defeats Jafar, not through combat or strength or anything like that, but through wits. And Jafar is kind of portrayed to be this really smart character throughout most of the movie. So when Aladdin outsmarts him in a pretty clever and unique way, I'm not going to spoil it, um, it really is satisfying to watch him do that. So that's great. The climax is pretty good. But man, that first part of the movie where we're just kind of seeing Agrabah and learning about all these people, that stuff is really, really good. So the first half is awesome. Second half, not as much. The climax is really good overall. Uh, the music, you guys already know about the music. A Whole New World, I parried it on uh, Blue Catch Productions, parodied, parody, 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 right? That's the word. Uh, <laughs> I did a parody song of Blue Catch Productions with me and Ethan, A Whole New World, about a year or two ago at this point. So, yeah, I like the songs from Aladdin. That was the whole point I was going to make with that. A lot of them, timeless, friend like me, a bop, a banger, Whole New World, the classic romantic song, Street Rat at the beginning, also one of my favorites, Prince Ali, like, Every song in Aladdin's a banger. I can talk about like how in some movies the soundtrack is either sort of forgettable or it's like trying to be more atmospheric or uh, like I talked about Oliver and Company last episode where like it had one good song but the rest of them weren't. Here in Aladdin like there's three or four or five really good songs and you can listen to them today and still be like wow this shit's pretty fucking good. Um, I guess the last thing I got to talk about with Aladdin is just sort of like I said earlier, the genie is sort of this pop culture referencing machine, and it kind of paved the way for other sort of animated films to sort of do that. 
for better or for worse, this sort of led to movies like Hercules that does it a lot. Um, Shrek, obviously, is another big one where it references pop culture stuff all the time. Uh, and most animated comedies today are filled with pop culture references, and that sort of starts with Aladdin. And it's amazing to me that, like, even though this is the start of one of probably the worst trends in animated films, I don't like a lot of animated films that just reference pop culture stuff all the time. In fact, I hate it. But, like, to see the start of this trend in Aladdin and realized how much I liked it <laughs> in Aladdin, I'm like, yo, other films need to step up their pop culture game. Like, here Aladdin's doing it, and I'm finding it awesome, but when I go watch Shrek or some shitty, like, movie like Norma the North, and they make a pop culture reference, I'm like, ugh, this is awful. Why is this so bad now? And I think that just has to do with, like, number one, Robin Williams is just a king at this sort of stuff. There are not going to be many comedians or actors who are going to match up to his comedic delivery and his timing. But also, like, most animated films don't have good writing um, at all. So, uh, of course, the jokes and stuff like that are very ham-fisted and not as good, whereas in Aladdin, uh, they work with the flow and they work with the story as it is. And so I appreciate it a lot more in Aladdin than I do in later films. But I just thought I'd bring that up. If you ever want to know why... A lot of animated films have like a ton of pop culture references. Aladdin is probably where you want to look toward that because before it wasn't really a big thing, but once Aladdin came out, once it was such this big monumental hit, uh, more animated films started doing that and very few are actually as good as Aladdin. So yeah, I said a lot of positive things about Aladdin. I don't really have too many negatives other than that second half not being as good. Uh, and some of the jokes not hitting. I will admit, there are a few jokes that don't hit. But for the most part, like, the movie is, is a banger. I don't know if I'd put it in my top five Disney movies of all time, but definitely in the top ten. Definitely in the realm of, like, top ten Disney films you have to see uh, from the animated stuff. Definitely a top ten movie. I'll, I'll have to see once I watch all of them where Aladdin kind of stacks uh, compared to everything else. But, no, I really enjoyed Aladdin a lot, so go check it out. Go check out the animated one. I'll have to see if the live-action one is as good, but from what I've heard in reviews and other uh, online outlets, it's really not. So, yeah, I'll probably stick with the animated one for now. Whew, jeez, I need something to, <laughs> to drink. I've been talking, like, nonstop for 18 minutes, and I need a little bit of caffeine in me. Hold on. There is, of course, a little bit of caffeine in tea. So, if you didn't know that, there you go. Anyway, back to the tea. <sighs> Dang, that's nice. That's real nice. Okay. Whew. I feel so much better now. <laughs> my throat was actually, real talk, my throat was actually kind of starting to hurt a little bit. So to take that break for like five seconds was, was pretty awesome. I wonder how many people like skip these bits when they're going back to watch Ain't on Anchor. Like if you've already heard this episode before and you know there's like a part where Aiden just kind of rambles for a minute and a half, do they like skip it or do they listen to the whole thing in one go? Because it's not that long. It's only like 30 minutes or whatever. But I imagine most people are like, oh... This is the part where Aiden fucking rambles for a little bit. Go ahead and skip this. I'm alright. Go ahead and skip this garbage. Ooh, Lord. I guess the last thing I want to talk about is a game I've been playing recently. One that I've been having a lot of fun with. And that is Super Mario Maker 2. I bought the game 
couple of weeks ago. Couple of weeks in July. I bought it in late July. And I've been playing it for about a month now and I've been having a lot of fun with it. I loved the first Mario Maker on Wii U. Probably one of the few like Wii U games that are like must owns in my opinion. And I was so waiting for the sequel or a port or something to come out on Switch. And when they announced Mario Maker 2, I'm like, oh boy, let's go. They got the 3D world stuff. They got multiplayer stuff, more tools to build and levels. I was all on board. And then when I finally got the game, it wasn't the level building. It wasn't the online levels. It wasn't the multiplayer stuff that got me addicted. Weirdly enough, it was the story mode. Like, <laughs> out of everything you could do in Mario Maker 2, the first thing I went and did was the story mode. And I just thought that was cool, because I'm not, like, a, a, a big fan of, of story modes in games a lot of the time, uh, unless they're just sort of, like, off to the side, or it's a game that 100% focuses on it. For the most part, I kind of, like, avoid stories in games. But no, Mario Maker 2's story, uh, it's not great, like, plot-wise. That's not why I played it. The reason I like it so much is because it's Nintendo-crafted levels in Super Mario Maker 2, and there's like 100 or 200 of them. And you can just play them to build up Peach's castle. And it's just a lot of fun. I got addicted to it. I'm not going to lie. Just sort of playing these Nintendo levels and realizing, oh, I can do this in Mario Maker 2. Just this constant cycle of playing a level, discovering something new, watching Nintendo execute it, and then using that knowledge to go build my own stuff. I just found that sort of gameplay loop in Mario Maker 2 to be really satisfying. And ones that I, I don't see in a lot of other games sort of like this, uh, I found it to be kind of unique, actually. Uh, so Mario Maker 2 Story Mode was just fun. It was just addicting. Like, Nintendo have been making Mario games for, like, years and years and years and years now. And just seeing that they still have their game, seeing that they're still, like, after all these years later crafting really good 2d mario levels in mario maker 2 is just like oh this is so much fun and they've gotten a bit wackier too it's not like just standard mario levels i like, know they take full advantage of mario maker exclusive mechanics like stacking things or random music and uh, all this sort of like fun special effects stuff like nintendo will go out there uh, just like the online levels do so you kind of get the best of both worlds with the wacky and weird stuff also combined with the tight level design stuff. But Mario Maker 2 for me is worth it strictly for the story stuff alone. And that's not even counting like the fact that you can make your own levels and play online stuff and do multiplayer stuff. Like all that to me is a bonus behind Mario Maker 2's like exciting story mode. So I just thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was unique, something I wanted to talk about. The rest of the game is still pretty good. Um, the one like fault I'm having with Mario Maker 2 currently is that building levels just isn't as intuitive in docked mode because <laughs> you don't have the Wii U gamepad anymore. So it's not really like a touchscreen thing, which means you're kind of having to use the Joy-Cons and cursors and put blocks down. And I've heard people get used to it after a while, but for me personally right now, it's a lot easier to instead just build levels in handheld or portable mode because then I can just use the touchscreen and it brings me right back to sort of Mario Maker 1 vibes, sort of the mechanics and systems that I was used to just now on the Switch screen. Although I'm putting a lot of fingerprints on it, so I might have to clean it pretty soon. I don't know. But yeah, I made a level in Mario Maker 2. It's not done yet. I still have to test it and make it. Uh, but I've been having a lot of fun with that aspect too, of like getting sort of my level design flow back on. I used to make 
flash games on a website called Sploder back in the day, and uh, my early YouTube stuff was uh, making videos for Sploder. So sort of re-exercising that old game design muscle that I had from those days into Mario Maker 2 with like better systems and mechanics and stuff like that. It's been a lot of fun. I, I still definitely have that passion for game making inside me in some form or fashion. Maybe not as big as I used to, but definitely it's still there. I would love to, if not make a full brand new game, at least make like a, a ROM hack or a, a game based on a previous one. Stuff like making a Pokemon ROM hack or making a bunch of Mario Maker levels and then ordering them like it's my own Mario game or whatever. I'd love to at least do that. Because I feel like that'd be really fun and really interesting. I definitely don't have the time to do it right now. But someday, uh, maybe when all this YouTube stuff has sort of succeeded, uh, I would definitely like to just sort of make my own little games and creative projects. Because I'm a big fan, big fan of a lot of games. And I feel like it'd be a lot of fun to sort of get into that. But man, that's like a mountain of stuff to learn. You gotta learn like programming and art design and all that sort of stuff. I'm definitely not there yet. Definitely not as skilled. But one day, man, one day, I think it'd be really cool. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Aiden on Acre. We talked about a lot of stuff today. Productivity, Aladdin, Aladdin, pretty baller. We talked about Super Mario Maker 2 and some aspirations for game design stuff. Let me know what you thought about this episode somewhere on the internet, whether it's Discord, Twitter, my YouTube channel, Blue Catch Productions, my Twitter is Blue Catch YT. You can also join the Blue Catch Discord. There's a link to that on my channel if you want to go find it. And hey, if you want to donate to this podcast, give me money, that'd be pretty epic. You don't have to. But Anchor sort of allows you to. So if you really like these episodes, uh, the option is always there. Hopefully, we're able to put out even more Anon Anchors in September 2019. But uh, as of now, I felt like we got pr three pretty good episodes out in August, so I'm hyped about that. With all that being said, I've been Aiden of Blue Couch Productions, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye.